Hallelujah. Open up your Bible very quickly if you have it. Hallelujah. Your iPad, your iPhone, Android. As long as it has a Bible app, you can take it out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Open up your Bible very quickly to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Go to the 12th chapter. We're going to begin reading at verse number one. I have five verses I want to read to you. Very familiar portion of scripture. We're actually going to piggyback off what happened last week. Were you here last week, church? Amen. Didn't we have a good time in the Lord last week? Hallelujah, Jesus. Last week we preached a message and we entitled that message, It's Time to Get Loose. It came from a text in the scripture where God looked at a woman who had been bent over for 18 years. And he said, woman, thou art loose. And 18 years of bondage had to let her go when the master said, you are loose. And so I'm going to piggyback. I'm going to use the same title. I'm just going to put a two at the end of it. We're going to preach. Hallelujah. It's time to get loose. Part two today. Amen. I'm going to come off a scripture that I mentioned last week, but I didn't really get to dive into. And I want to dive into it today. And I, I want to forewarn you that we might not shout as much as we did last week, this week. But this week's going to be real talk. Can we talk real talk? Amen. Hallelujah. Do you have it? Let's read it. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says this so. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, meaning your people, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. Where are we going? I'll tell you when we get there. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Wow. That verse 2, I like that. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Next verse. So Abram departed. As the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and five years old, 75 years old, when he started his journey. And you think it's too late. Hallelujah, Jesus. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife. And Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance, that's going to be significant, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the souls that had, they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go to the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. In other words, they set out to a certain place and to a certain destination, and the last part of that text is important. It says... And they arrived. Because it's one thing to set out to go to a place. It's a whole other thing to finally get there and to arrive. And so again, we want to preach it's time to get loose. There are things that God wants you to get free from so that he can take you to the place that he has for you. Amen. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord God, in advance for your word. We thank you for what you're about to do in this place. We thank you for all those, hallelujah, who made a good decision to be in the house of the Lord today. Lord God, hallelujah, I know that you will not disappoint. I know that your word does not return unto you void, but it does that thing in which you send it to do. And so let purpose prevail today. And let seed fall on good ground and produce a harvest for your people. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, saints, but I am blessed. I said, I am blessed. Hallelujah. According to scripture, I'm blessed in my going in and in my coming out. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. Regardless, hallelujah, of what may be transpiring in my life does not take away from the fact that I am blessed. Amen. I have a joy that's deeper than externals. If the world did not give me the joy that I have, then the world cannot take it away. My joy comes from a deep place. Amen, somebody. Do you got it? Do you have it? The real thing. What the Bible calls joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, somebody shout, I'm blessed. Amen. This, this scripture that we're reading today begins with God having a conversation with a man. God is interested in talking to you. I say God is interested in talking to you. Amen. He's having a conversation with a man. And, and the first thing I want you to know is that he's not, listen, he's not just shooting the breeze with Abraham. For when God speaks, God speaks purpose. I said when God speaks, no breath is wasted. When God speaks, he does not waste his breath. His words are life. His words are full of purpose, destiny, and wisdom. Hallelujah. When, I, when, you know, when that, God began to minister that to me, I began to say to myself, man, I want to be like God. I want to make sure that no idle words are flowing from my mouth. That, that, that the words that, that I speak, hallelujah, that when I speak them, my breath is not being wasted. That it's not idle talk. That I'm not speaking things that are not helping to progress or forward my purpose in life. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you can't have leisure time and you can't hang out and you can't have a little fun. But what I am saying, hallelujah, is that I don't want to speak words, hallelujah, that like the people of Israel cause me to wander without direction. And do not permit me to get to the place where God wants me to go. I do not want to be wasting my breath. Is it possible to do a lot of talking and yet a lot of those words not be purposeful? Amen, somebody. God is not shooting the breeze with him. They are having a conversation about calling. They are having a destiny dialogue. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And God says to this man, watch this, I'm going to make you a great nation. In other words, Abraham, I'm calling you to greatness. And I just hope I got some people. I don't need everybody in here, but I just hope I got some people, hallelujah, who in their spirit sense that God is calling them to greatness. I sense greatness, hallelujah, on the inside of me. 
I'm calling you to greatness, Abram. And understand, before you get too excited, that a call to greatness is actually a call to service. I said a call to greatness is actually a call to service. Jesus said if any of you aspire to be great in the kingdom, he has to first be the servant of all. And if saying it wasn't enough, he took an apron, wrapped it around his waist, a towel, and a basin full of water, and began to illustrate by washing his disciples' feet, hallelujah, that although I'm the greatest, I am the servant of all. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't need an empowerment from God, nor an anointing, if you don't plan on serving. Because an anointing or an empowerment from God is simply separation so you can serve. Amen, somebody. I'm afraid that too many of us are walking around with a sign around our neck that says out of service. And you can't expect God to empower you or bless you. You see, because you think God's blessing you for you. But you're going to learn through this text that God ain't blessing you for you. God's blessing you for him. Abram, I'm separating you from me. Are you in this place, church? Then he tells him, I'm not only just calling you to greatness, I'm going to make your name great. Ooh, God, I like that right there. This is why I don't get caught up, hallelujah, with positions and titles. Because God never said, I'm going to make your position great. Nor did he say, I'm going to make your title great. He said, I'm going to make your name great. Hallelujah. Be about your name. Watch over your name. Watch your character and your integrity because that's what I'm going to raise up. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm going to make your name. I like God. Hallelujah. Because I know that he has a great name. But even though he knows he has a great name, he says, hallelujah, I'm going to make your name great. I like him because he's the ultimate epitome of leadership. Because in essence, he's saying, I'm going to make you great. You know why? Because I have so much confidence in who I am, that I'm not intimidated about how high you go. As a matter of fact, how high you go has everything to do with how I raise you. And so I'm not the type of person that gets intimidated, hallelujah, because I know who I am. I'm God, hallelujah, all by myself. And beside me, there is no other, hallelujah. And when I bless you and people recognize my blessing on your life, hallelujah, I don't get upset. I sit back and go, that's my boy. That's my daughter right there, hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm going to make your name Great. Mm. Are you hearing this, preacher? Hallelujah. That's powerful. But here's the thing before we get extra excited about it, understand, and you can put this up on the screen if you have it, that the kingdom, watch this, that in the kingdom of God, greatness is not about fame, it's about influence. In the kingdom of God, greatness is not about fame. It's about influence. Just because people know you or you have acquired some notoriety, some fame does not make you great. Woo. Let me put it to you another way. Your elevation is not about your ambition. I said, your elevation is not about your ambition. Oh, God, have mercy in this place. Can I say it the way I feel it? God is not raising you up 
just because you want to blow up. And, and, and for some of the folks who don't understand, blow up is not talking about literally blowing up. It's talking about you aspiring to be great. In other words, I'm not making you great just because you want to be great. Ooh. I'm not, I'm not raising you up, promoting you, blessing you, taking you higher so that you can have more followers on Facebook. I'm not raising you up so you can have more followers on Instagram. Come on, somebody. And so that you can have more followers on Twitter. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. I'm not raising you up to feed your narcissistic, self-centered, condescending, character flaw, which actually needs to be straightened out. Hallelujah. I'm not blessing you so that you can compete with people you went to school with. So that you can try to prove things to people who don't really matter. Oh God, help me here. It's going to be rough. I said real talk. Y'all looking at me funny already. Y'all want to marry, had a little lamb message. That's what you want. Hallelujah. Come back next week. I'll give you that message on next week. That is a powerful message. Mary did have a little lamb. His name is Jesus. Amen, somebody. We'll talk about that next week, hallelujah. But this week is real talk. Are you guys all right? Somebody shout glory. glory. <laughs> Woo. Trying to prove things to people who don't even matter. I don't like you anymore. What am I sp- <laughs> Woo, God have mercy in here. Can I help you in here? Everybody's not going to like you. Listen, I like to think that I'm a very likable guy. I do. I'm a very approachable, approachable individual. Amen. Hallelujah. And I, I, I want you to like me. But if you do not, I'm going to sleep good tonight. Y'all don't want me to be real. Hallelujah. Let me get my Mary little. Mary had a little lame scripture ready just in case this goes south early. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Jesus could not make everybody love him. And if Jesus could not make everybody like him, then why are you trying it? I love people, but I know that everybody is not going to love me. So I have to, when you tell me you don't like me, I have to assess that. And so I have to ask me questions like, all right, let me see. How many bills have you helped me pay? You helped me pay any of my bills? Have you helped me raise any of my children? Have you helped me to forward my progress? Hallelujah. Are you helping me get closer to my death? And after I assess that, I ask my question, okay, what do I lose? What, what do I lose when you say that you don't like me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm dealing with the text. You don't even know it, but I am dealing with the text. You're going to see, hallelujah, that Abraham is challenged to leave some things behind. Not just some things, but some people. Are you in this place, church? Let me give you the next thing I want to say to you, and this is, this is profound. God is basically letting you know that I'm not elevating you because of your ambition. I'm elevating you for my agenda. Yeah, I said it before. I'm not blessing you for you. 
I'm not blessing you because of your ambition. I'm blessing you for my agenda. Ooh, God have mercy in this place. Purpose, when you really understand purpose, purpose will make you arrest your ambition. Often God has to put your ambitions in check before he could use you purposely. God have mercy in here. Purpose will tell you, watch this, that you don't do what you could do. I'm going to let that sink in. Sometimes purpose will tell you, don't do what you could do. You could do it. Don't do it, though. Sometimes purpose won't let you do it as long as you want to do it. Sometimes like Jesus, it may just be three and a half years and you're done. Yeah, that'll hit you in the parking lot. Sometimes purpose will take you into the garden of Gethsemane to remind you that's not your will, but God's will. That it's not about your, that it's not about your agenda, but God's agenda. That it's not about your ambition, but God's agenda. I'm blessing you for me. Oh, God, help me in here. I'm not blessing you for you. I'm blessing you for me. Let me put it to you another way. In other words, God is saying, watch this. I'm about to reveal my greatness to the earth. Watch this. I'm about to introduce myself to some people down the road. I'm going to introduce myself to some kings like Pharaoh. I'm going to introduce myself to some men that I'm going to call to use. And I'm using your life as a point of reference so that when they ask, who is this God? I can tell them, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. In other words, hallelujah, I'm going to bless you so good so that the world can have a picture of what it looks like to be blessed by greatness. And when they recognize the greatness on your life and ask where it's coming from, I could say, I'm the God of Abraham. You know, let me, let me just say one thing to you, hallelujah, because most of us, we use his name. But you're on a whole other level when God starts using your name. Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. It's one thing, hallelujah, for you to be name dropping. I serve God and I serve Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Sick Canoe. Hallelujah. And Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Shammah. I serve and you start name dropping his name. But you're on a whole other level spiritually. And there is a place you can go to in your spiritual growth where you're not only using his name, but he starts using your name. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac. And Jacob, oh God, you know what he's saying, hallelujah, I'm going to raise you up to the point that when people look at you, I can say, you see Jamie, I did that. You see Jose, I did that, hallelujah. You see Elder Rich, I did that. You see Wendell, I did that. Ooh, God. Is, is there anybody else in this place like me, hallelujah, that wants God to use you as a point of reference? Oh, I don't know about you, huh? but God, you can bless me all you want. If you want to show the world what bless looks like, I volunteer, I volunteer. Are you hearing what I'm saying, hallelujah? But you got to be at a certain place <laughs> spiritually 
so that God could reveal you as a point of reference to show the world what really blessed looks like. My God, have mercy in here. Starts name dropping. Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's nobody like him in the earth. Oh, you know you're a bad boy. When God says there ain't nobody like you in the whole earth. That's God dropping names. You know what I like about the story of Job? At the end of the book, verse 42, God concludes that story by saying, Job, because of all you endured, I'm going to bless the second half of your life more than the first half. Somebody in this place right now is concerned, is concerned because they, might, they think they're, going, they're about to walk into a midlife crisis. But I hear God saying to you, like he said to Job, you're about to get a midlife miracle. Because of your enduring power. I'll bless you. Do you believe he'll do it? Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to bless you because of my agenda. People are going to try to block you. Abram, they're going to try to block you. Because they don't know what they're doing. Because when they attempt to block you, in essence what they're doing is that they're trying to block what I'm doing through you. And they're going to curse you. You see, you have to understand that the call, of jo- the call of God is no joke. Because when I call you and raise you up, everybody ain't going to like it. Along with the call comes a level of hostility. Listen to what he says. And I will curse those that they're going to curse you. But don't worry about it. Because they're not really cursing you. They're cursing me. And so when they mess with you, they're really messing with me. So when they do it to you, the kingdom will answer for you. So you don't believe it. The kingdom will answer for you. All right, you don't believe it. You need scripture. Let me give you something. I didn't give the 9 a.m. The apostle apostle Paul, before he was Saul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. And he was a religious man, a devout religious man, and he was persecuting Christians. You remember that? He was actually killing Christians. He was pulling them out of their homes because they, he thought that the Christians were a cult, a sect, and he thought that it was his purpose from God to eliminate them, right? And so he was mistreating Christians. What he did not know was that he, what he was doing to them, he was doing to God. And so then the kingdom had to answer. So he's on his way to Damascus to get papers so that he could persecute more Christians. And who shows up? The kingdom. The king and the kingdom. Knock him down. And says, Saul, Saul. Watch this now. He said, who, who is it, Lord? Check the text. Acts chapter 9. And he said, why does thou persecute me? Oh, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. He didn't say, why are you bothering my people? That's not what he said. He said, why are you persecuting me? And the apostle Paul, in essence, is saying, well, I didn't do nothing to you. What you're doing to them. God, help me in here. You're doing to me. And so I'm coming to, oh, God, help me in here. I'm coming. 
I will bless those that bless you. In other words, if they help you, I'll help them. I said, if they help you, I'll help them. But if they frustrate your purpose, which is really my purpose, and they curse you, the curse will reverse. In other words, I'm like a mirror. You bless me, it bounces off of me and comes back to you. You curse me, it bounces off of me. This is why on one occasion he said, touch not mine anointed, nor do my servants any harm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, he's saying, I got their back. If you're blessed so far, shout glory. Hallelujah. I will bless those that bless. Here's what you got to catch. Can I help you all a little bit? He says, he says, number one, I'm going to bless you. So he's already blessed. And then I'm going to bless those that bless you. Oh, see, the 9 a.m. didn't get this. This is extra. Watch this. I'm going to bless you. So you're already going to be blessed. And then on top of you being blessed, I'm going to bless those that bless you. Yeah, okay. See, because we have an ideology that says you, know, you, only, you only bless people that are not blessed. Oh, this is too deep. Maybe I, I'm going I'm I'm to pull out my Mary had a little lamb message. Listen, the ideology is you bless someone who needs a blessing. And you could do that, but that's not this text. He said, I'm going to bless you. So you're already going to be blessed. And then I'm going to bless those that bless the blessed man. Oh, you think, oh, God have mercy in here. I'm going to already bless you. So sometimes you get blessed for blessing somebody that needs a blessing. But you also get blessed for blessing someone who's blessed. And then whatever's on them. Comes your way. Are you in this place? Show me verse 2 again. I want to I read verse 2 because verse 2 is such a powerful verse. Amen. Watch this. And I will make thee a great nation. My God, I'll make a whole nation out of one man. Do you not know that Father Abraham, we call him the father of faith for a reason. Amen. He is the Old Testament shadow of a New Testament conversion. He is the Old Testament shadow of a New Testament conversion. When you get converted in Christ, the Bible says, if you are a new, if you are a new creation, right? If you be in Christ, you are a new creature. All the old things are done away. Behold, all things are, are new. Can I, can I mess you up a little bit on a Sunday? Abraham is not Jewish. He's the father of faith, but he's not Jewish. He comes from a place called Europe of the Chaldeans. You know what they did where he comes from? They worshiped the moon. Look who God calls. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then he says, I'm going to make a nation out of you. I'm going to make you a new creature. And I'm going to create a whole new people through you called Israel. I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to change your name. This is what happens when you become a born-again Christian. 
you become a new creature. Are you in this place, church? Show me verse 2. I want to read it again. I got sidetracked there. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Anybody in here like verse 2? Anybody in here inspired for God to, to do verse 2 to your life? All right, well, let me just submit to you, since you like it, that you can't have verse 2 without verse 1. You cannot have verse 2 without verse 1. Show me verse 1 again. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. There ain't no moving into without a coming out from. We're always talking about hallelujah, I'm going from faith to faith. Let me help you in here. You can only go from faith to faith when you're ready to leave the previous level of faith you were walking on and enter a whole new realm of faith. You, you, you can't go up and stay down. Are you in this place? Put my next point up there. Let me put it to you another way. A he, listen, a heavenly elevation requires Earthly separation. The easiest way I could put it is elevation requires separation. The first thing he tells him is that you got to separate from some stuff. Oh, see, we don't like this right here because some of us have a very large emotional investment in things we have a hard time leaving. Emotional attachments, hallelujah. But can I help you in here? You cannot accomplish purpose if you have separation anxiety. I said you cannot accomplish purpose if you have separation anxiety. If you can't move away from certain things, hallelujah, you can't move into what God has for you. It's going to require some separation. Listen to what he tells them. He says, your people. Your house, your house, Ooh, reminds me of when Jesus said, watch this, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. The sword separates. And he went as far as telling the disciples, watch this, if you don't love me more than father, sister, brother. Oh, this is heavy right here. I told you it was going to be real talk. Watch this. If you don't love me more than father, sister, brother, son, daughter, you can't be my disciple. He's telling Abraham, hallelujah, anything that's close to you, that's not going where I'm taking you, you have to be willing to move away from. He said, your father, because your father, watch this, represent what's currently influencing you, and he's still an idol worshiper. So you have to be willing to serve God alone if you have to. If nobody else, oh God, help me in here, wants to serve the Lord, even in my own house, I'm serving the Lord. I might not be able to leave that place, hallelujah, physically, but spiritually I'm going up. 
God help me in here. Are you blessed in here? My God help me in here. Hallelujah. Listen, they may not even be evil, but they're not adequate for you. In other words, because they don't contribute informing you for where I'm getting ready to take you, you have to move away. They're not helping to shape you to be and think on the level of the place I'm taking you to. And if all they do is allow you to think where you're at, you stay where you're at. Are you in this place, church? Ooh, what are you? Listen, we were shouting about verse 2 a minute ago. Bless me. Be a blessing. I'm going to make your name great. What are you willing to leave? What are, you really, what are you willing to detach from? Because if you do not detach, what you do not detach from can become your demise. Yeah, I said it was going to be real talk. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? In other words, God is saying, watch this. In my kingdom, I do things a little different. I call it addition by subtraction. I can't add to you until I first subtract from you. I said I can't add to you until I first subtract from you. There are some things I have to move from you. Before I can allow you to move into what I have for you. Are you blessed in here? The question then becomes how bad do you want verse 2? Be because verse 2 requires that I might have to change your circle. Some people that are with you now are not going where I'm taking you to. How bad do you want to get there? Hallelujah. It's quiet in the house of the Lord. Maybe it's the weather. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, on one occasion, on one occasion, can we go a little deeper? I know it's Sunday, but can we go a little deeper? Amen. On one occasion, God tells Moses, watch this, concerning the people of Israel that are wandering in the desert. Moses is trying to get them to a promised land, and they are fighting him the whole way. The whole way. Amen. Isn't it amazing? You're trying to take someone to a better place and they're fighting you the whole way. Um, so God, God had it. God said, this is your Bible. God said, I'm done with these people. Moses, I'm going <laughs> to rid them from you. And I'm going to start afresh through you. And Moses says, God, don't do it. Don't kill them. I'm telling you the Bible. Don't kill him. Kill me instead. He sound real spiritual, right? Some people read that and go, wow, Moses, man, that's, that's powerful. Look, look, look. Moses says, don't, 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 don't kill him. Kill me instead. What are they going to say about you, God? That you brought us out here to kill us? And most people read this and they go, wow, Moses is powerful. Look at him giving insight to God. Like God could gain insight. The omniscient, the all-knowing 
If God could learn, he no longer is all-knowing. And the Bible says something that, that, we, that, we, that messes with our heads sometimes because it says, and God repented, or and God changed his mind. And what we don't understand, hallelujah, is that that, that, that phrasing is actually what is referred to as an anthropomorphic term. I was actually having a conversation with somebody about this just last night. It's an anthropomorphic term. It is because your cerebral capacity cannot explain when God does something incomprehensible. We try to use our limited vernacular to explain what God did so that somebody can understand it. So the only thing we come up with is he changed his mind. He did not change his mind because that would mean that he was wrong the first time. And the God who is omniscient cannot be wrong because he's all knowing. He's already seen the end from the beginning. God help me here. So there's something else here. When God, listen, when God grants Moses his request, hallelujah, it's not because he was wrong. He knew, he knew, Moses, you cannot take people where they do not want to go. You can want to take them all you want. You could be ambitious about how you want to get them there. But watch this, if they don't want to go, you can't take them there. You can't force them there. Here's what God knows in his foreknowledge. In God's foreknowledge, he knows that that whole generation, you got to know the story. You got to know how the story ends. That whole generation died in the wilderness. And that, those very people that Moses said don't kill frustrated Moses to the point where he came out of character and he offended God and not only did the people not go, Moses didn't go. And so when God tells you, listen, there are some people that are not good for you, that you can't take where I'm taking you. You need to let them, you need to let them go, hallelujah. They are not going to go no matter how hard you try. And in the end, you're not going to get there because they're going to frustrate your purpose. I didn't get it twisted when I told Moses, hallelujah, he needed to rid himself from those people. They were not going where I was taking him. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Ah, it's too deep for Sunday. Let me give you another example. Let me give you another example. Um, how many like the story of Hezekiah? When the Bible says that God added to him 15 years. You know, the Bible uses the same terminology. So watch this. Isaiah the prophet Hears from God. God tells the prophet, go to Hezekiah and tell him. Hear me now. Tell him. Now, this is Isaiah, the eagle-eyed prophet, the one who doesn't miss it. When God tells me something, I tell it, just like God said. That's Isaiah. Isaiah goes to him and says, Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord. Get your house in order. You're going to die, and you're not going to recover. And I felt like I had to put that last part in there. And you're not going to recover. Now, that was the word of the Lord, right? Hezekiah, the Bible says, turns his head to the wall and starts praying. You know what the next verse says? 
and God repented. Now that's contradictory because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So what's the problem here? Did God change his mind? The God who told Isaiah to tell him he's going to die, he's not going to recover, did he change his mind? What is God doing here? I'll tell you what God's doing here. God's trying to teach a man that he called that he ought to live like there is no tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to give you wisdom in here. Hallelujah. Listen, I said he's trying to teach a man that he called that you ought to live your life like there is no tomorrow. Because here's the thing, Hezekiah, I want order, of your, I want order in your house. But as long as you think you have time. You see, because this is what we do, people, and you don't have to say amen. I'm coming down right there where you are. We have this habit, hallelujah, of waiting for the last minute to try to do things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And oftentimes, it's not until a man gets a bad report. It's not until somebody hears that they're running out of time that all of a sudden they, they decide that they have to do something. And God's trying to teach a man. That you ought to live your life like there is no tomorrow. Make every moment count. Because tomorrow's not promised to any man. Are you blessed in here? God's not changing his mind. God is working out his will. God, help me. In here, hallelujah. We just don't know how to explain when God does something like this. And so we use our limited vernacular to try to make some sense out of it. And we say he, cha he changes mind. Maybe I should have left this for Wednesday. Watch out with things you're attached to. That, that, that you've given a high emotional investment to. Because God might just ask you to move away from it. Amen. Show me, show me, wow, that clock is moving. Show me Genesis 11, verse 31. I believe it's verse 31. This is right before chapter 12 and verse 1, which we read. I want to show you something. Amen. You guys doing all right? All right. Here we go. Listen to what it says. And Terah, 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 I don't know, something like that. Terah. <laughs> this is, just in case you didn't know, is Abraham's father. Amen. And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from, watch this now, Ur of the Chaldeans, to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. Now, before I read the next verse, I want you to see what's happening here. Abraham's not doing the leading. Terah is doing the leading. Abraham's father represents Abraham's current influence. But God wants to make a whole new nation out of Abraham. He wants to make Abraham the father of many nations. And so watch this. He's 75 years old and he's still under the current influence of his father who worships the moon. Are you with me? And God is challenging this man to take ownership over his own obedience 
and get ready, hallelujah, to go where God is calling him. Now, I want you to notice something in the next text, in the next verse. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, go to 12 and verse 1, which is the very next verse. Chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord has said to Abram. I want you to notice something very quickly. God does not speak to Abram until his father dies. Because you have to, oh God help me in here. You have to come out of what's currently influencing you. Before you get direction about where I'm taking you to. Okay, let me give you some more. I, I don't know if that was enough. Terah in the Hebrew means delay. You are delayed because you are attached to things that are currently influencing you. And because of that, I'm not talking to you. So until you detach yourself from current influences, listen, close ones that you have emotional investments in but are not going where you're going that if you stay their influence will keep you stuck and you won't be able to move forward and so notice the text as soon as he's moved God speaks Oh, God, help me in here. If I had time, I would talk to you about his nephew, Lot. And I would show you through Lot how Lot was not supposed to go either. And trying to take things to a place they're not supposed to go will cause you delay. And not just delay, warfare. Abraham got into battles over Lot. And the Bible says, because this is what you have to understand. The word of God is a proceeding word. And so you get a revelation now. But upon your obedience to move forward, you get further instructions. And sometimes you have to obey the first word before you get the second word. And so if you study that story out, you'll see, hallelujah, that it wasn't until Lot was moved out of the way. That then the word of the Lord came to Abraham again. You got to check it. Immediately after Lot is separated from Abraham, God speaks to him and says, look from where you are. And begins to show him everything he's going to give him. So sometimes you're not getting further direction. You're not catching a vision because of your current attachments. Things that are influencing you now are keeping you from where God wants to take you. I am preaching better than you saying amen. amen. But that's all right. This is real talk. Somebody shout, we can handle it. Show me Isaiah 51 and 2. God, Isaiah 51 and 2. Are you blessed, church? Watch this. Listen to what Isaiah said. Look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone. Listen to what he's saying. This is why he says separate from your people, your father's house, separate from everything. He's saying I had to reduce him to one man with a woman who could not bear before I can multiply, listen, and bless him and increase him. 
Ooh. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me ask you again. How bad do you want verse 2? <laughs> I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. Bless those that bless you. Curse those that curse you. But you got to move. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Hallelujah. Mm. Well, I don't know if I could open this up. Are you ready for people close to you to be jealous of what they're blessed by? <laughs> Ooh, God help me in here. Are you ready for people close to you to be jealous by what they're blessed by? He told them, I will bless those that bless you, but I will cur there are going to be people that are going to envy, hate, even curse you because I'm blessing you, failing to realize that that blessing that's on you is actually blessing them. Oh, man, they have all these opinions about you until they need you. Oh, y'all want that married little... I, I think I preached the wrong message today. They have all kinds of opinions about you until they need you. They were hostile. Now that they need you, they come humble. Hey, how you doing? I've been doing the same as I've been doing for these last two years. I have not seen you or heard from you. Oh, y'all don't want that real talk, right? Oh, God, help me in here. I've been doing the same. I should have brought a nice Christmas message. Here's what you have to understand. And you need to know the Bible for this one right here. Sometimes the same King Saul that raises you is the same King Saul that throws spears at you. In other words, someone close to you. It's the people closest to you that can hurt you the most. Ooh. And this is why Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. What does a sword do? It cuts, it separates. I'm going to bring separation. Listen. Check this text. Even in the house. This is why Jesus said, if you don't love me more than father, sister, mother, brother, you can't be my disciple. If nobody else in your house wants to serve the Lord, you have to be willing to serve me alone. That's what he means. God, help me in here. So how bad do you want verse 2? It was Joseph's brothers that put him in the pit. When he, when he started talking about what God was going to do through him, they threw him in a pit, took his coat, and sold him into slavery after contemplating killing him first. Oh, God, have mercy. David's own son turned on him and tried to take the kingdom from him. His own... His own son. 
Are you blessed in here, church? My God. Mary got, Martha got mad at Mary. Fighting in the house. Fighting in the house. Fighting in the house where Jesus is. Y'all not talking back to me today. And then when we pray, you heard Martha's prayer that day? Jesus, you better tell her something. <laughs> Jesus, handle that. That ain't no prayer, by the way. <laughs> we got to go. Some of us got some shopping to do. Hallelujah. Let me see if I can help you out. Hallelujah. Here's the crux. Here's the crux of the crux of my text. Can I give it to you? Hallelujah. Can I give you a little more real talk before we go home today? All right, put my last point up there. I think it's my last point. Oh, God, help me. This, the church needs to catch this right here, okay? You don't just need faith to go. You need freedom. You don't just need faith to go because a lot of people are like, you just need faith. All you need is faith. All you got to do is faith. All you, gotta... you don't just need faith to go. You need freedom. You need the freedom to go. Some of you have the faith to go, but you don't have the freedom to go. All right, wait, wait. So, 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 so some of us move in faith, but really flee by feelings. I'm not even saying that you're not using your faith, but you don't have the freedom to go. You read verse 4 here. Verse 4 says in the five verses that we read that Abram did as the Lord commanded him. I sent you and I gave you the freedom to go. Oh, God help me in here. Some people flee by feelings. Use their faith but never had the freedom to go. Let me, oh, God help me in here. I wish I had time. The text says, the text says, the text says, watch this. And Abram took his wife because you need a partner that's going to be down with the vision. Can I preach like I feel it? I said, you're going to need a partner that's down with the vision. That's why if you're single in here, let me help you. Get a vision before you get a spouse. I'm going to say it one more time. Get a vision before you get a spouse. Because if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know who's supposed to ride with you? God, help me in here. I said, if you don't know where you're going, how in the world are you going to know who's supposed to go with you? You need somebody that speaks to your vision and says, I'm down with that. So that when the lean times come and the rough times come, hallelujah, they don't say, I told you so. I told you. No, no, no. From the get, you said you were down. So in the rough time, you're down. And if you suffer with me, you will reign with me when the lean time is over. You need a ride or die. Hallelujah. You need someone that's not going to leave. Hallelujah. When times get rough. You need somebody in your life that understands love is a commitment. That love is only like 15% feelings. 
And that real love, the love the Bible talks about, the agape love, says, hallelujah, I'm going to do right by you regardless of how I feel. Not that Hollywood kind of love that is only in it until, oh God, help me in here. They're only in it while they feel it. And when they don't feel it no more, they out. That's why it's riddled with divorce, Hollywood. You, you, let, you letting what they put on the screen cause you to grab the Kleenex. Make me drop my glasses. Yeah. Because <laughs> they put a real nice picture of what love is on the screen. Got you grabbing the Kleenex. Men, you too. Got you going like this so that the tears don't come out your eyes when you watch that movie with her. But you have to understand something. They are professional actors. Check their personal life. God, have mercy in here. I said, check their personal life. What they put it on the screen, that's acting. That's hypocritical. That's what an actor is. It ain't real. Check their personal life. See, because Hollywood puts this misconception on the screen that's got the world turned. That if you find the right person, you don't have to work. Everything just flows. Do I got some married folk in here? Help me out in here. How many of you know that's not true? Marriages work. And marriage only works when you work it. And when you stop working at it, it stops working for you. You better work. I got I to gotta land this plane. Am I helping anybody today? Hallelujah. Wow. He took his wife. Hallelujah. Here's where I wanted to land the plane. Not only did he take his wife, watch this. The text says he took Lot. I think that was a mistake. But I don't want to talk about that today, maybe next week. The Bible says he took his possessions. Oh, God. And that's significant. He took his possessions. Watch this. He took his possessions because his possessions did not have him. He had them. And because he owned them, he took them. But many of us can't take them because our possessions own us. Abram could go because he has the freedom to go. Some of us can't go because in order to go, we have to have a meeting with Visa. Oh, Yana, oh, God, help me in here. It got quiet in the room. Can I talk real in here? He can go because he owns what he has. It does not own him. You see, because you think faith is all you need. <laughs> but you need freedom. You need to be able to do what God asks you to do without having a meeting with your wallet. Because you're free. Financially. Oh, see, we don't want to talk about this in church. We don't, two things we don't want to talk about in church, but we want the most. Sex and money. They're taboos in the church. Hallelujah. But if everybody was honest, they would admit, we could use a little more of it. I said this was going to be real talk today. Somebody's got to talk about what's really happening 
in our lives. It's a taboo. You bring up any of those two subjects and it's like, oh, it's evil. It's not evil. I got to quit. Money is the root of all evil. Wrong. You just misquoted the scriptures. The love of money is the root of all evil. God don't mind you having money. He minds money having you. If money has you, you can't leave. But because Abram owns his. God help me in here. When God tells him to do something, he can go. Because, watch this, he doesn't just have the faith to go. He has the freedom to go. Ooh, sometimes you want to give. You want to use your faith, to, your faith to give. But the spirit of mammon says, sit down. You want to help somebody that's in need and in trouble. And you want to give. And you want to use your faith to give. And the spirit of mammon says, sit down. Because you're going to have to work double time tomorrow. We don't want to talk about this in church. Hallelujah, Jesus. I said that this was going to be a year of freedom. We're going to talk about all of it. God doesn't just want you free in one area. He wants you free in every area. Let me close with this, church. Then we could go watch that Eagles game. Watch this now. <clears throat> God wanted to move Abraham from the familiar. The word familiar is tied to the word familia. So he's even talking about people close to you. But watch this. Familiar also talking about a familiar spirit. Not just people. A familiar spirit. Watch this. He also said from your country. Which is a pagan country. An idol worship country. And what we need to understand is that. America has an idol that it worships. And the Bible calls it the spirit of mammon. Now, God, help me in here. Here's what you have to understand. Because you know the scripture that says that you can't serve two masters. Because you're going to love one more than the other. And then when the Bible lists the two masters, what does it say? One is God. And the other one is not the devil. Mammon. But watch this now. We automatically equate mammon just to mean money. Right? But I want to submit to you that there are two spirits trying to control your money. And money doesn't have a spirit. Money takes on the spirit of the hand it falls on. You see, oh, you're not ready for this. Some people, some people come and say, oh, no, you shouldn't take that money. It's corrupt. It's corrupt as long as it's in their hand. But when it comes in my hand, okay, okay, you want Bible on that? The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. If it's wicked, why would God give it to me? Money don't have no spirit. It's a piece of paper. It takes on the spirit of the person whose hands it falls onto. So I became curious because I know that to be true. And I looked up mammon in the scriptures. Because at some point, you got to get tired of just quoting what other people say. Because you miss some things. So I looked up mammon. And here's what I found to my surprise. Mammon is a spirit. Watch this now. Mammon is a Syrian god. That they worship in Rome. A Syrian god. Watch this. Let me find it. 
considered one of the seven princes of hell. I said to myself, how are you a prince from hell? And I don't know about you. And he made promises. And here are the promises that Mammon made according to the Romans. Watch this. My God, have mercy in here. He'll give you identity, security, happiness, significance, joy, and peace. Mammon wants servants. But he makes false promises that only God can deliver on. Because only God can give you identity. Only God can give you security. Only God can give you significance, joy, and peace. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Mammon is a liar, but he's talking. And he cannot deliver on his promise. So you have to be careful. You have to be careful, hallelujah, that like Jacob, you marry what you think is Rachel. And you wake up with Leah. And you let a false God influence you. There are two spirits that are trying to control your money. God and mammon. If you're still with me, shout glory. I'm ending. Wow. Are you blessed in here, church? Worship team, you could come up here. And you decide, I don't have to take this. But Visa say, oh yeah, you do have to take it. Y'all not saying nothing in here. Let me help y'all because y'all looking at me funny. Listen, I'm not anti-debt. Let me just throw that out there. What the spirit of mammon wants is to get you in excessive debt. To enslave you. The American dream is all about debt. All the spirit of mammon wants to do is enslave you so you can't do what God wants you to do. Two spirits trying to control your money. God and mammon. Watch this. And they're, mo they're both making similar promises. But one leads to debt, deficiency, delinquency. You're not saying nothing. Discontentment. And prohibits you from doing what God is calling you to do. In other words, one is after your freedom. It impacts your freedom. God, help me in this place. And you won't be able to accomplish purpose. And you can't even help anybody in need when the Bible says that's what you're called to. Our kids, oh God, help me in here. I gotta, we got to leave. Our kids are coming out of school with debt larger than our mortgages. Smarter but enslaved. And it, it impacts their credit. And so they want to do something, and they can't. The American dream is actually a nightmare because it's all about debt. And debt doesn't necessarily benefit you. And the world thinks it benefits it, and they're in trouble. We need a new system. And Brother Ray talked about it. It's God's system. And it works. 
and God wants you free. We learned last week that you could be out and not loose. Just because you're saved don't mean you fixed. Just because you're out the tomb don't mean you're not wrapped up. Lazarus comes out the tomb and Jesus was not satisfied. And so Jesus said, loose that man. Everything that's trying to wrap him up, take it off so that he can really move. As long as he has those grave clothes on, he can't move. He had a napkin over his face, can't even really see. He's out without revelation. <laughs> he can't see and he can't move. This real talk, church. 2018 is a year of freedom. And I want to deal with every aspect of it. I want to challenge God's people to make this year the year where you get free. You're free in some areas, but the question is, are you free in every area? And so, God says, start that business. But you can't, because you got to have a conference with Sally Mae. And God says, listen, Abraham took his substance. mine. The Bible says you need to become the lender and not the borrower. See, we don't like this kind of preaching. God said, I want to bless you. But I got to be able to trust you with the blessing. You receive it today? Come on, somebody give God praise.